we are back. We have so many things to talk about. Uh, the press has been obsessing over the fact that Abraham Lincoln and Charles Darwin were born on the same day 200 years ago this month. That date being February 12th, of course. We've talked about Darwin and evolution a lot on this program. I don't think we need to do it anymore today. I just want to say that the fact that Darwin is inevitably talked about as controversial strikes me as a bit odd. I mean, nothing in biology makes sense without evolution. So I think I'll resist talking about how uh, the creationists are full of it, except to say that the creationists, they're full of it. And I can't resist noting that uh, when they were ranking the presidents, Abe Lincoln, of course, always gets good grades. But I was shocked by a recent ranking of the presidents that did not rank George W. Bush dead last. In fact, of the 42 men who have been chief executive, George ranked 36th, ahead of James Buchanan, Andrew Johnson, Franklin Pierce, William Henry Harrison, and Warren G. Harding. Which just goes to show you that people doing the rankings probably don't know their history. Warren G. Harding and Andrew Johnson were better chief executives than George W. Bush. If you think we're wrong about that, send us an email, info at radioparallax.com. We'll be happy to take up that, uh, that issue. But you know, inspired by Dr. Dean and Dell, we've been talking medicine here for quite a while, and I think I'll continue till the end of the program. I find myself unable to resist every so often, uh, quoting from Marilyn Vos Savant, whose Ask Marilyn column appears uh, um, in the parade section of the Sunday paper. Marilyn, reputedly the world's smartest woman, was asked the following. I told my boyfriend that I'd heard about an American woman who had a stroke. She recovered, but afterwards she spoke with a British accent. Now he thinks I'm an idiot. Yet I believe the story is true. Can you explain how such a thing could happen? The woman was born in the Midwest and had no exposure to anyone with a British accent. Replied Marilyn, strokes can cause speech impairment. When the change in speech pattern is slight, it may sound like a foreign accent. Yet, even when the so-called accent has some familiar-sounding characteristics, it belongs to no actual country and will sound foreign everywhere. This condition is called foreign accent syndrome. It's rare, but it's real. And you know, my gut tells me that Marilyn has that one correct. In fact, this reminds me of an episode of The Flight of the Concords where after Jermaine gets arrested along with his mugger and they're checking the jail to see if he might be there and the the policewoman starts saying, does he speak with a really funny accent like, no, don't put me in there, not with him. To which the New Zealanders respond, well, actually, that's that's more of a South African accent, but yeah, that's him. And uh, by the way, if you haven't checked out uh, The Flight of the Concords on HBO, well, you might want to think about it. It's pretty funny. Anyway, continuing on medical items, there was a big, uh, big to-do about the fact that the researchers have worked out the sequence, the genetic sequence of the rhinovirus, the source of many common colds, which caused the study's author to note, rather over-optimistically, we would say, we're now quite certain that we see the Achilles heel and that a very effective treatment for the common cold is at hand. Well, the Sacramento Bee published an editorial expressing skepticism at that, and we would have to join in. The B editors commented on this report as it appeared in the New York Times by saying, The Times says the cold cure is now in the realm of the possible. 
Well, wasn't that always the case? A drug company has to be willing to put up millions of dollars to find a cure, and none has shown much interest so far. Might be worth mentioning, by the way, that uh, that the international drug corporations are, are not particularly interested in antibiotics and antivirals because they're used sparingly for a short period of time. What really gets them salivating is a medicine you have to take every day for the rest of your life. All right, here's an item from the medical-slash-legal-slash-bizarro file. A couple of parents in London, or south of London, are apparently claiming that their eight-year-old daughter died after dental surgery because she starved to death. The couple claimed that after she got some uh, dental surgery, she refused to eat or even open her mouth for her parents, which caused her to starve to death over a three-week period. The mother blames the hospital, saying no one saw her after she was discharged, adding that she told a child psychologist she was referred to that she was sucking on a watermelon. She told me that was enough for her to survive on. These parents are claiming the hospital mishandled Sophie's follow-up care, referring them to a child psychologist instead of getting her some medical attention. The girl's father reported that he phoned that psychologist every day, sometimes twice a day, to say how unwell she looked. Adding, I kept asking her to come round, and she said she would next week, and there was nothing to worry about. I, I don't know. That, that is just, that, that story is too weird. But I, I, I'm, I'm not sure it's any weirder than this, coming from the New York Times, February 10th, which I think I'll just quote from. Blowing your nose to alleviate stuffiness may be second nature, but some people argue it does no good, reversing the flow of mucus into the sinuses and slowing the drainage. Counterintuitive, perhaps, but research shows it to be true. Apparently, researchers at the University of Virginia conducted CT scans and other measurements of subjects as they coughed, sneezed, and blew their noses. And I guess as these geniuses were monitoring the CT scan, they observed that coughing and sneezing generated little, if any, pressure in the sinus in the nasal cavities, but nose blowing generated enormous pressure and propelled mucus into the sinuses every time, but added that during sickness, it could shoot viruses or bacteria into the sinuses and possibly cause further infection. This is the New York Times, folks. Of course, the, the same folks that warned us about Saddam Hussein's weapons of mass destruction. America's paper of record then quoted Dr. Anil Kumar Lalwani, chairman of the Department of Otolaryngology at New York's University's Langon Medical Center, saying the proper method is to blow one nostril at a time and to take decongestants. This prevents a buildup of excess pressure. And the punchline to this, described as the bottom line, Blowing your nose can create a buildup of excess pressure in sinus cavities. This comes under the heading of information that is impossible to apply in the real world. Actually, Mr. McMillan is voicing an objection to that, noting that uh, in India, in his experience, they do blow one nostril at a time. Yeah, well, that's true. But if you're stuffed up enough, <laughs> blowing one nostril at a time doesn't make that much difference. But I must concede the point. If you are going to blow your nose, try and do it one side at a time. And speaking of noses, I do have to dispute somewhat the article in the Sacramento Bee titled, When Your Nose is Your Worst Enemy, about a sufferer of what's described as multiple chemical sensitivity. The article did concede that most major American medical organizations, the American College of Physicians, 
the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, along with Dr. Dina Dell, who was not cited in the article, doubt multiple chemical sensitivity exists. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency weighed in on it, noting that at present there is no medical consensus concerning the definition or nature of this disorder. And I'm afraid I'm going to have to side with Dr. Dina Dell and all of the august bodies cited in expressing some skepticism over this condition. All right, let's close with uh, two items. Article supposedly under the title of Integrative Medicine in the Sacramento Bee from Drs. K. Judge and Maxine Barish Radin. Personally, I don't think this is integrative medicine. Personally, I'm not sure this is integrative medicine, but if it is, well, you should have more of this. Noted the article. You want a simple way to increase your longevity? Try sex. Adding, it's one of the most fun things we humans can do. I can't resist Rodney Dangerfield's line. Oh, the first time I had sex, I was scared. Are you kidding? I was all alone. But yes, this does circle back to the study in the British Journal of Urology that found that men in their 20s could reduce their chances of prostate cancer by ejaculating more than five times a week. As we recall talking about this, it was men in their 50s. But at any rate... There's a whole list of good things that are related to regular sexual activity, and we're not going to dispute any of them. The article did close by noting that erectile dysfunction is common after the age of 50. Fortunately, lots of treatments are available, so talk to your doctor. Good advice. And you know, in a future installment of this program, we're going to tell the story of Goat Gland Brinkley. That's the kind of name that just has to intrigue you now, doesn't it? Brinkley wasn't such a good doctor, but he was a marketing genius and a genuine pioneer of early radio. It's a hell of a story, and we're going to tell it sometime in the next two months. But let's close with this. We all know that CPR, cardiopulmonary resuscitation, is a good thing. Properly performed, it can triple the chance that someone survives a heart attack. But it's been noted that even the best-trained Good Samaritans can have trouble finding the right rhythm and pace for the chest compressions. Thankfully, a 15-doctor study found that teaching CPR to the tune of the Bee Gees song, Stayin' Alive, helps students perform the compressions at the proper speed and pace on a test done five weeks later. And who said disco's dead? This program was produced by Everett McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Next week's program, we're going to bring back Dave Lynch. We talked to Dave when he ran for Congress. Uh last November, and he's been looking into a few things we want to hear about, so we will do so on next week's show. We'll see you then. Mother, mother, away, mother, alive, alive. 